Thank you, choir, orchestra. And thank you to our special ed department and all those who are involved in it. They are a blessing to me, and I know that they are to you as well. In Luke chapter 10, Jesus is having a conversation with a lawyer. And the lawyer asked him a question. What does one have to do to have eternal life? Jesus responded, well, what does the law say? And the lawyer replied, love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, soul, and mind, and thy neighbor as thyself. Jesus said, you have answered correctly. After that conversation, in the same chapter, Jesus told two stories. In verses 30 through 37, he told the story of the Good Samaritan, which illustrates to us how we are to love our neighbor. You remember the story. There was a man who was robbed, beaten up, There was a priest who came by, saw him lying there, went on his way. A Levite came by, saw him lying there, went on his way. And then there was a Samaritan who came and took the man, bandaged up his wounds, took him to a hotel, paid the bill, and ministered to the man's needs. Now, Jesus said, then who is the man's neighbor? And he said, the one who ministered to him. So out of that conversation, Jesus told the story to illustrate to us how we are to love our neighbor. After that, he told another story in verses 42 through 48 about Mary and Martha, and in that story, it illustrates how we are to love God. That is going to be our focus today, but we are going to focus more on the difficulty on the difficulty of relationships. So if you will take your Bibles, turn with me to Luke chapter 10, we'll begin in verse number 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations. And she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do the serving all alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. Now, we all know that God has made us different. We are all different, but it bothers us somewhat when we come in contact with someone who is different, and it makes us uncomfortable. That is one of the problems we have, for instance, in race relationships. Because our experiences are different, we sometimes become uncomfortable in that relationship. That also is a problem that we have with actions. For instance, there are those people who are always busy. They are always moving. They are always doing things. Now, that would be a description of pretty much everyone in my family. There are those people who might not be as active or as involved 
And they say, why can't you sit down and rest? And my reply is, I really don't know. I wish I could. That's just not the way it works for us. You see, when someone is different from us, it makes us uncomfortable. Now, that also moves over into our religious understanding. You see, much of the Bible is interpreted. Therefore, we reach different conclusions. And when someone reaches a conclusion different from ours concerning doctrine, that makes us a little uncomfortable. Eschatology, the study of last days, the study of last times. When I was in school, all of my professors, I believe, were amillennialists. They did not believe that there would be a millennial reign of Christ. I interpret the Bible as a premillennialist. I believe that Jesus will reign for a thousand years. But there are differences in doctrine. Uh, baptism, over here at First Baptist, we believe that baptism involves total immersion. Across the street, they believe that it is by sprinkling. It reminds me of the story of a Baptist pastor and a Methodist pastor who were discussing baptism. And the Methodist said, now you believe that baptism is only by complete immersion. He said, yes, that's right. He said, now, if a person goes into the baptistry and they get wet up to their waist, is that baptism? He said, no, it isn't baptism. He said, well, if they get wet all the way up to their chest, is that baptism? He said, no, that isn't baptism. He said, if the water goes all the way up above their eyes to the top of their head, is that baptism? He said, no. He said, that's what I've been telling you all along. It's a, it's a little water on the top of the head that constitutes baptism. <laughs> so we are differ, when do we differ when it comes to baptism? Today there's a lot of disagreement concerning Calvinism. Now let me say to you that I am not a Calvinist and I am not an Armenian. I, I believe like the Calvinist in the sovereignty of God. I believe like the Armenian in the free will of man. I believe that both are true. But I had a person to say to me, but you can't reconcile the two. And my reply was, no, I, I can't, but that's not my job. God does that. We differ in doctrines. We differ in worship styles. For instance, in some churches, they are very liturgical in their worship style. and some, they are traditional. and some, they are contemporary. Our service is more blended. Steve throws in a little bit of everything. He never failed me yet, you know, and then there would be an anthem and there would be... We're rather schizophrenic when it comes to worship. <laughs> Dr. Hollingsworth was with us recently, the new executive director of the South Carolina Baptist Convention. He said, that is the bl best blended worship service I have participated in. I think that it is also. But see, we are different. We, we differ when it comes to the style of worship. We differ in spiritual gifts. We don't have the same spiritual gifts. For instance, Richard sitting over here has uh, the gift of compassion. And if I were sick or I, I needed counsel or I needed someone to be sympathetic to me, I'd probably call him. I doubt that I'd call me. Richard has that gift. I, I have a little bit of administrative ability, but, but, we, but our gifts are different and that makes us uncomfortable sometimes. Now, so we are uncomfortable because we are different, but it is unavoidable because God made us different. And that's what you see in this passage of Scripture. Martha and Mary 
were different. Now, Martha was apparently the firstborn. Wikipedia says the firstborn is typically more serious, bossy, and goal-oriented. They feel great responsibility, so, so they are more competitive and usually anxious. They may learn the concept of power at a young age, and this can be expressed in their desire to help protect and lead others. Now that's sort of a description of Martha. She had two siblings. There was Mary and, uh, and uh, there was Lazarus, her brother. She was the homeowner. If you'll notice there in verse number 38, it says, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Well, they both live there, but it's her home. I mean, that's the way it is. With, I, I saw some of you smiling out there because you either are a firstborn or you know a firstborn. And so I, I saw your response to that. But see, that's Martha. It's her home because she's the oldest and she's in charge. She's the chairman of hospitality. When anybody comes into that home, she is the one who is in charge. Mary, Mary was probably the baby in the family. Wikipedia says the youngest child is often, often pampered more than the other siblings. Pampering can lead to dependence and selfishness as well as irresponsibility. So what I want you to see is that they were different. Martha was the firstborn. Mary was the baby. Where was Martha in the story? She was in the kitchen. Where was Mary in the story? She was at the feet of Jesus. Christians can be different. That makes us uncomfortable, but it is unavoidable because God made us different. Now, the differences we have can cause problems in relationships. Now, if you look at verse number 40, it says, But Martha was distracted. Vine says the word distracted means to draw around to draw away. Distract is used in the passive voice in the sense of being over-occupied about a thing, all right? So the Bible says that Martha, the firstborn, that Martha was distracted, and we see the result of her distraction. First of all, she began to feel sorry for herself. She she, was, uh, she felt a little pity for herself because the implication here is from Martha, I would like to be sitting at the feet of Jesus too. I'd like to be in there listening to what he has to say also. I'd like to be there. But her sense of duty prevented her from being at the feet of Jesus. She had this strong sense of responsibility, this strong sense of duty. She was busy. There was work to be done. They had company. There was cooking to be done. She felt this strong sense of responsibility. Stephen Covey in his book, First Things First, wrote, People expect us to be busy, overworked. It's become a status symbol in our society. If we're busy, we're important. If we're not busy, we're embarrassed to admit it. Busyness is where we get our security. 
All right? So the Bible says that Martha, the firstborn, the responsible one, she began to feel sorry for herself. And then she began to become angry. The harder she worked, the angrier she got. You know, some people burn out. She was burned up. I mean, there, the pots in the kitchen were clanging. She was upset about this. She is in there. She's feeling sorry for herself, thinking, I'd like to be sitting in there at the feet of Jesus like Mary, but I have this work to do. I have this meal to prepare. So she began to become angry. Charles Hummel wrote in Freedom from the Tyranny of the Urgent, tension and frustration mount when we are performing the wrong task or trying to cram too many of the right activities into a given period. A critical spirit develops and we begin to judge and condemn others for what they do or don't do. So what I want you to see is that with Martha, she was feeling sorry for herself. I would like to be in there at the feet of Jesus. Then she began to be angry at what was taking place, and then she became critical. Now, feeling sorry for herself, the anger was on the inside, but now she begins to express what is on the inside. She becomes critical. Look at verse number 40. Martha was distracted with all her preparations and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Did you notice that she did not use her name? She didn't say something about Mary. She said, my sister didn't even use her name. It reminds me of the story of the prodigal son when the elder brother did the same thing. Luke 15, 30, when this son of yours came who has devoured your wealth with harlots you killed the fattened calf for him it's the same thing he didn't say it is my brother but he said to the father when this son of yours came then you killed the fattened calf all right so when I look at this she is feeling sorry for herself she begins to be angry now then she becomes critical and when we feel that an, an injustice is being done to us then we begin to blame God. Look at verse number 40b. Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. So Martha came storming out of the kitchen in where Jesus and Mary were and said, Jesus, you know what a dingbat my sister is. Why don't you tell her to get her sweet self in here and help me? Now the implication is when she said that, that Jesus was complicit in her negligence. Lord, why are you allowing this to go on? But see folks, that's what happens when we feel that we are, that, that we are suffering from injustice, we always begin to point the finger somewhere else. We always want to look to someone else. Jesus was speaking to Peter and he told him, how his life was going to end, his eventual death. You remember what Peter did? Jesus told him how he was going to die, his eventual death. Peter immediately said, what about John? In John chapter 21, verses 21 and 22, Peter, therefore seeing him, John, said to Jesus, Lord, and what about this man? Jesus said to him, if I want him to remain until I come, what is that to you? 
you follow me. See, when we feel that we are being treated unjustly, we always say, but what about that person? Well, I mean, Lord, I, I'm, I may not be perfect, but have you had a look at this guy over here? Lord, I'm going to die. Well, what about John? What's going to happen to him? And Jesus said, that's really none of your business. Many of us are like Martha. We criticize people who are not like us for their service or their lack of service. I mean, I'm in the choir. Why are they not in the choir? I'm involved in real. Why are they not in real? We criticize people for their exuberance or their lack of it. You know those people who raise their hands during the service? There are those who do not who say, well, you know, those are a bunch of fanatics do that. And those people who raise their hands says, you know, those people are actually spiritually dead. <laughs> and so then we judge each other and decide they're probably not Christians anyway. You know, I mean, they could, they, they, they're just putting on a show or... They're not Christians anyway. The fact is, different can cause problems. Yeah, let me tell you about that. And I've said this before. I'll say it again since I'm in the neighborhood. I said years ago, I said, I hope someday we get to the place where those people who lift their hands do so to the glory of God and those people who do not don't condemn them as being nuts. See, I think it's a matter of the heart. I don't think it's a matter of the hand. And I think it is the heart that is pleasing or not pleasing to God. Different can cause problems. We're all different. We acknowledge that. But different can cause problems. But problems can be overcome. Now, there are two attitudes revealed in this passage of Scripture. Both Mary and Martha served, but with different attitudes. You see, there are those who serve, and it is simply an expression of duty and I think probably in this case with Martha, it was an expression of duty. Now, it was important. I'm not saying that Martha's work was not important. Had Martha not been there, there would have been no food because Mary was not going to do it. There would have been no refreshment for Jesus and his disciples. And did you notice that Jesus did not criticize her for her service? Do you see that anywhere? Jesus did not criticize her for her service. Someone has to do the work. That's just a fact. If we didn't have these ushers, we wouldn't know where to sit. If we didn't have greeters, we would have no one to welcome us into the church. If we didn't have the choir, we wouldn't have anyone to provide the music for us. If we didn't have those who give, we wouldn't have any ministries, including the special ed ministry. We wouldn't have that. So the work is important, and Jesus did not criticize that. Here's the danger, that we fulfill our duty without love. That's the danger, that we are performing our duty, but doing so without love. That was the case of the Ephesian church. In Revelation Jesus addresses the church of Ephesus and he said to them you're doing all of these good things I mean you are working you're doing all of these good things and I commend you for it but he said you don't love me like you did it had become a duty a responsibility and a response of duty 
And Jesus said, you are doing all of these good things, but you don't love me as you once did. Now, Mary's response, on the other hand, I think was a response of devotion. I'm not suggesting that Martha's was not. She was devoted to Jesus, but I think that in this instant, Martha was serving out of duty, and that is the issue. Not motivated out of love, but just a duty. She had a responsibility. Two attitudes are revealed. One attitude is preferred, verse number 41. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and bothered about so many things. But only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. You know what I think Martha's mistake was? She was trying to impose her value system on Mary. That's always a mistake. God has gifted us as he has gifted us. God has called us as he has called us. And when we try to impose that on someone else, we have made a mistake. And so the guest here reproves the hostess. It was personal. He said, Martha, Martha, no doubt as to who he was talking about. Martha, Martha. It was comprehensive. He said, you're worried and bothered about many things. In other words, her duty had her tied up in knots. Why did Jesus commend Mary's response? Well, because service is always temporal. The meal was delicious. It would be consumed and it would be forgotten. Service is temporal. Worship is eternal. Verse 42, Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. So when we look at this passage, we see that Martha was serving, probably motivated by duty. Mary was at the feet of Jesus, probably out of devotion. She just wanted to be there with him to hear what he said. Jesus reproved Martha because it was a response of duty, not that the service was not important. They were different, but those differences, I think, were overcome. I'll tell you why. Lazarus died. You remember the story that the sister sent word to Jesus that Lazarus, the one he loved, was ill. Jesus waited and then he came, but when he arrived, Lazarus was already dead. That's because Jesus had a lesson to teach. Now, when Jesus came, he called Lazarus back to life. He raised him from the dead. After Jesus raised Lazarus from the dead, there was another meal in this home. Where do you think Martha would be in this other meal? Where do you think she was? Just take a stab at it. Where do you think she was? She was in the kitchen. John chapter 12, verse number 2. So they made him a supper there, 
and Martha was serving. All right? This is another meal. Martha's in the kitchen, and she's serving. She is doing the same thing that she had done before, but this time there's no anger. There's no criticism. There is no blame. She is in the kitchen serving. In this other meal, where do you think Mary was? At the feet of Jesus. John chapter 12, verse number 3. Mary, therefore, took a pound of very costly perfume of pure nard and anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair, and the house was filled with the fragrance of the perfume. Mary and Martha learned the importance of devotion. Martha is still in the kitchen, but this time she's not upset about it. Mary is still at the feet of Jesus. Let me conclude. Christians are different. It's important that we understand that, that we are not the same. We're not called to the same task. We are not gifted with the same gifts. And we don't share the same personalities. Christians are different. If you do not accept that, then the difference can be problematic. And we become critical of others who are not like us. We become angry when one does not serve like us or interpret scripture like us. And we begin to question God because he has allowed the injustice. We overcome those differences and those problems. How? By loving Jesus. We may be different, but our priority is to love the Lord. Martha prepared the meal. Mary anointed his feet. Both were an expression of love. As Martha prepared the meal as she cooked the food, at this time it is an expression of love. And as Mary anointed his feet, it was an expression of love. You see, our service comes as an expression of our love for him. Service is important. We are to serve as the Lord calls us and gifts us. But our service is an expression of love, not just a response of duty. So I might ask you the question, When you serve, is it because it is a duty, a responsibility, or is it an act of love? When you teach, when you serve as a deacon, when you sing in the choir, when you serve as an usher, is it just a responsibility, an obligation, a duty, or is it the way that you express your love to Jesus? The motivation for what we do should be out of love for him. We serve, but we do so because we love him. Our gracious Father in God, I thank you for this story that teaches us how to love you and how to get along with each other. I pray, Father, that you would bless this time of invitation as we extend it. 
I pray, Father, that you will apply your word to our hearts and that we might be responsive to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. Well, in just a moment, we will stand. The choir will sing a hymn of invitation. If you're here without Christ, you'd like to know Jesus, I invite you to come and give your life to him. If you're looking for a church home, our doors are open. Maybe you just need to commit anew out of love to him. You do that. Let's stand together as we stand. They sing, you come. I'll greet you as you do. Just come. 